What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 86 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I have Matthew Aguilar. What up? Connor Casey is back with us. What's going on? And once again, we're bringing back Jamie Jerick with us. Hello. And today we've got a lot to talk about. We've had a big development that's come up with Wonder Woman 1984, so we're going to get into all of that. We have got to preview WWE Survivor Series. Jamie is here to drop her review of the new Peacock version of Saved by the Bell, which she has had the honor of checking out. We've got to talk about some of our new comics, including what the latest crazy turns are of X-Men's Ten of Swords event, plus a couple of news items we're going to get to. So let's get it started right at the top. All right. As I said, Wonder Woman 1984. This has been the kind of stick and move kid of 2020. This movie was going to be released in the summer. Then it kind of moved. It kept kind of inching back through summer, inching into fall inching into later fall, then just back towards Christmas. And as it got to Christmas, we've all been wondering, like, will this movie stick? The film industry, obviously, things have not recovered from the COVID-19 pandemic. Things are getting worse uh, now. So we all hoped we would be back in theaters by Christmas. Doesn't look like it was going to happen. So what was Warner Brothers going to do with Wonder Woman after the whole fiasco with Tenet? And we got our answer. Warner Brothers will be putting Wonder Woman 1984 onto HBO Max, much to many fans' requests, on Christmas Day. It will also be releasing the film in theaters on Christmas Day. Wonder Woman 1984 will remain on HBO Max for one month's time, and then it will be pulled, but we will get to see it on HBO Max. So I'm kind of always interested. I was in the camp. I I feel like this is the best of of making the best of what you have left with this year. It, it gets the film out. It runs up HBO max subscriptions for, for sure. If people live in areas where, you know, cause for some reason we've decided on this piecemeal approach to this virus. But if you live in an area, less restrictions and you are feeling like that theater, that option's there for you. It's not completely gone, uh, including globally. And it doesn't like just kind of, completely steal all the revenue from the film. It's there for a month on HBO Max. There's still a chance for it to come back around on home video and do all that kind of stuff. So it's the best of all worlds. I'm okay with it. How about you guys? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think you said it best. I think it's the best of making the best of a, a fortunate situation and you're hitting all of the markets as best you can. I believe also international gets a little bit of a jump, right? Um, because international is like, there's more theater locations open in some territories outside the U S. So like they're actually getting a chance to go into theaters more. Meanwhile, it's on for a month, which means it's kind of a draw for people to like, Hey, make sure you watch it within this time frame Cause then it's, it's going to be gone. So it actually kind of creates some urgency around it. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, I think it's as best as it could be. I feel like the only bummer is, there's still not a lot of ways to watch HBO Max on TV, and I really don't want to put this movie on my computer. Uh, uh, that's happening. Even as we speak, we're going to get to it in the rundown, but a deal's been worked out for Firestick, and as we just came on today, a deal is being worked out for Roku. So Where's Janelle? 
Janelle will be so happy. (laughs) And it's probably because of things like this, you know, and Charlie Ridgely, to his credit, you know, I don't ever like giving Charlie Ridgely credit on this show, but to his credit, he came on last episode and he laid down the bet that he bet that HBO Max would crack on this front before Thanksgiving. And like immediately as he said that, it was just like fire stick, Roku, we're done. And it's like, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're shoring this up, all those distribution lanes before they do this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so this will be like an actual event. They're going for that Disney plus Hamilton type deal. So yeah, they want people to be able to watch this and, and I'm sure they've bent on those kind of licensing arguments they were holding out on. So I think it's smart too, from a perspective of like, because holding it to next year, some of these other movies weren't as far along in like their advertising and merchandising and things like that as Wonder Woman was the same could be said for Black Widow. The longer you hold the less interested i feel like some sections of people you always have your diehard fans who want to see it day one but like there's a section of fans i feel like that the longer these movies that were like clearly up to bat before all this happened the longer they get pushed the less interest there is i mean i i'm gonna be honest i mean i'm less interested in black widow than i was back when it was about to come out and it's just the nature of just like yeah you can't you can't just keep yeah, pushing it and having Yeah, so Wonder thing. Woman was kind of right on the precipice of like starting for that because it had been so heavily advertised so many times before. So I think this is good. It gets it out before the end of the year. It's a cool Christmas gift. And then we can kind of move on. Yeah, and for the folks, because I, I saw this when the announcement dropped, the 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 sky is falling, the in, the theater industry is dying. No, it's not. This is this was the quick fix for one specific situation. People thinking that this is the way things are going to be going forward. I highly doubt that. Now, if the next Fast and Furious movie does this, we have a different conversation. But that is yeah, way down the road, we, and I'm not borrowing. Peacock from. has that kind of clout. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah no. Fast and Furious on Peacock. No, yeah. I don't think so. All right. So, <laughs> keeping with DC, uh, let's touch real quick. There was a story we missed because I just plain skipped over it in the last episode. It was in our show notes. But uh, we got to talk about it real quick. Right. Yes. The Green Lantern series on HBO, which is also coming to HBO Max. This has been an odd little bird that we've heard about. It's going to feature some of the not the Green Lanterns you thought they might take, like Hal Jordan. They're going to be taking some of the more obscure ones. It's going to be almost like an anthology series where episodes take a look at different Green Lanterns and their stories across different timelines and things like that. And now we're hearing that this show could be rated MA, which is pretty interesting because now all of a sudden I'm kind of like mixing Green Lantern and Watchmen in my head like HBO's <laughs> Watchmen and I'm just like really like what can you do with the Green Lantern concept when you take off the uh, censorship gloves like that gets kind of interesting um, and yeah I mean we know it's going to be dealing with some pretty deep stuff and for some of these Lantern characters and yeah I'm kind of interested to, to hear Matt what do you think how do you feel about a M.A. Green Lantern series. Uh, I would... I want to see the Red Lantern episode. Oh, my God. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, it really depends on... It it opens up some parameters for them. The fact that Guy Gardner is already a part of the show makes me feel good about this, because him alone, like, to see some of the things, like, he'll say and things he'll do, because that's just his, like, reckless nature. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that you know, atrocitous 
if we can get like a Red Lantern core, like Dex Star, like I'm excited for some of that stuff because they can get kind yeah, of brutal. It can be very ones. horror movie. Um, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, like Larvely's like, oh my god, like that's again, we're jumping to the emotional spectrum. But just keeping it here, I I think it opens up some concepts that you know are really cool because you can get into some more some heavier stuff. And you know, again, this is not going to be. I still don't think. I think they're going to use that rating just to get them a little breathing room i don't think it's going to be a titan situation where like the f-bombs feel so forced i don't think it'll be that type of thing but it does open up stuff for them so i that does excite me and the characters in the universe does like allow for like you can actually explore some cool things so i'm i'm stoked all right anybody else green lantern thoughts um well they're space cops so yeah the, the the shackles are off on this one um, I am curious. It, don't I would be not surprised if we hear the name Grant Morrison start popping up soon, just based on what he's been writing. And if they go, yeah, we 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 brought in the guy that's writing the series currently. I'm almost no, uh, that almost worries no. me. That almost God, no. worries me because here's the thing, and you know, the season one of the current Green Lantern series was excellent. Season two has been like. Graham Morrison kind of has that Jeff Loeb thing of like, you get really good Jeff Loeb, but you get really uh, Jeff Loeb, <laughs> like yeah. unchecked. Grant kind of has the same thing. And there's some amazing things in the run, but it, it goes a little far. And like, it, it, I kind of want a little bit more of like a back to basics approach with this current. Has my man gone full new X-Men? <laughs> so, man, there's some stuff in this last few issues, man. It's just trippy, and it's not trippy in like the enjoyable way. It's just, it's just like confusing. It's like, why are we like? There's so many universes. We're not gonna get too long. Up. You're on your like, own out there, yes. buddy. We're not going to anyway. Anyway, oh. I, I'm I'm hesitant for that. I kind of hope we stay a little away from that. Yeah, me too. I want to see more, like you said, the fun stuff, the Guy Gardner stuff. You know, you know, I wouldn't mind. That sounds creepy, but though I do just, love the volcano lantern that is currently in the series so please make him a thing all right we're moving right along <laughs> so along with green lantern uh info we also got a new look at uh zach snyder's justice league joe manganello showed shared a photo of his slade wilson deathstroke with his new look and man he looks good he has that badass kind of shaved on the side haircut he, he looks look pretty awesome. intense uh, and if you don't know what that's all about, the original Zack Snyder's Justice League had a post-credit scene that we saw teased in some test footage uh, early on that looked pretty badass of Deathstroke coming off this cargo plane. And we heard storyboard rumors that he'd be rumbling Batman, and this would all lead into Ben Affleck's Batman movie. Um, and like with everything else with this Justice League, <laughs> we're getting that again. Does it lead it to anything? Who knows? He was is, getting his own movie at one point, right? Yeah, he was getting his own yeah, movie with yeah. Gareth Evans, the, the Raid Redemption director, which I was so psyched for. Like, that was the DC movie. I was like, this is the smart one right here. A Deathstroke movie with Joe Manganiello and the Raid director is going to be off the hook. And who knows? Maybe Snyder's bringing back everybody. He's just resurrecting everything. So we'll see how this goes. All right, but check out that photos because it is badass. Moving on to something else that we're talking about. We heard at the beginning of the year that uh, Lethal Weapon 5 may be coming back, but I was like, I'm too old for that ish to listen to that noise. But uh, now we're here, and we're hearing it again from Mr. Mel Gibson himself. So, yes, Mel Gibson said that well, Lethal Weapon 5 is happening. He is coming back. Richard Donner, the director of the original and you know the three sequels, 
and Superman the movie and a bunch of other stuff, is coming back as well. And he is currently at work on the script, according to Mel Gibson. Danny Glover was also said to be coming back. And yeah. Better. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, no, really, right? <laughs> no, we all learned a lesson from the Lethal Weapon TV show. You can't just start pulling out one of the pair and start replacing them, right? Is but, Chris Rock coming back? I, I hope, hope so. so. Yeah, that's what I don't want to discuss. There's a whole bunch of people I hope come yeah. back for this. I hope Joe Pesci's back. I hope Rene Russo's back. I hope Chris Rock is back. Oh, I, Rene yeah. Russo, that's right. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, I want to see all of that. And I hope Jet Li comes back. Or is he dead? I forget how the fourth one ended. Resurrect him anyway. I, my feeling about this is I love Lethal Weapon so much. Uh, oh, underrated in terms of Christmas movie. Uh, love all four of them. But it's just so hard to get excited about giving Mel Gibson money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's a struggle. I mean, we're not going to get into deep at all, into all the uh, sociopolitical stuff. But I, I don't know if you heard my introduction. But yes, it's, it's a struggle. And it, it's just going to be, I hope if they do this, that everybody has thick enough skin to lean into what's happened in the real world since Lethal Weapon 4, and there are jokes about it. Like, they make it part of the humor. Otherwise, it's going to be incredibly awkward for all of us to see Mel Gibson and Danny Glover just kind of hanging out on screen together and trying to act like that's all cool and everything's cool and, like, yay, everything's cool. Um, so yeah, that could be either incredibly awkward or they lean into it. And if you have Chris Rock in the film, you know, I hope. Right. Just like, Hey dude, you know what you did with the Oscars? Do that with this movie. Just like all throughout, (laughs) like just take pot shots at Mel Gibson, the whole movie. There you go. We'll work it out. Yeah. And if Mel Gibson, you know, has any true kind of sense of trying to reclaim his reputation, he'd be able to have good fun with, you know, taking some shots at himself and, and doing that. Is that Mel Gibson? I don't know. I'll bring but in Ricky Gervais. There I'm going to bring some popcorn to this for one reason or another. So, yeah, Lethal Weapon 5. I am excited because I, I do like this series as well. Like, oh, I do too. I've loved it. Good, I mean, that was yeah. a staple of my movie-growing career, you know, in this whole thing. But anyway, all right, Lethal Weapon 5, The Lethalist. We'll keep an eye on that and see what's, what's happening good, there. Good word. Yeah, The Lethalist, right? <laughs> all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to get into our deep dive section with a review of Saved by the Bell, we're going to talk about some X-Men comics, and we're going to get a preview of the latest WWE pay-per-view event. Stay tuned for all of it. All right, so we're back, and uh, Jamie G-Rock is going to break down a review of the new Saved by the Bell. But before we get to that, I forgot, I didn't put this in the show notes, but it is all over the internet today. I haven't gotten to it yet as of recording this, but I'm planning on it. Who's seen the Saved by the, or the Fresh Prince reunion? Anybody? I did. Oh. I watched the trailer. I did not get to watch it yet. I don't know if my emotions are ready. It, uh, It was so touching and sweet and funny and oh i cried i laughed it was it was very it was a great hour of was the aunt viv thing worth it because i that was one of the biggest things that's the part i've seen that is blowing up social media that was worth it yeah watching janet and will's like watching them like god the the talk like it was hard to watch it was um it genuinely like made me uncomfortable like i was sitting in on the most personal discussion that either of them ever had um, but it also was very cathartic, uh, and it was cool to see them meet each other. Um, 
And when they all talked about James Avery, it was so emotional. Oh. And just the whole thing felt so genuine. And I, I highly I can't look. I was in. I was in tears when they did that Zoom thing when they were all in the deal and they had that Avery tribute. I was in tears then. I can't imagine. What yeah, I don't know if I was going to be. I wasn't emotionally ready to do it yet. I, I get emotional over TV shows. I think we've established this. I just watched the Office finale. I never missed an episode. Oh. I never missed an episode of that show live on broadcast, and I never watched the finale because I couldn't. Oh, good finale. Yeah, oh, it was. It was really good at Fally, but then I was broken for two days because I yeah. had an existential crisis. It's that right one. That. It's yeah. that one moment. It's it's when Michael needs two phones for his oh. kids and like all that's. Oh my god. Oh, hey. oh that was okay. great. There was just a lot of things I love, but we're not here to talk said. about that. <laughs> that was that was a moment. I was like, all right, can't be last bitch. Yeah. So, Saved by the Bell. So the Fresh Prince we're going to check out this weekend, as I'm sure all of you are. But that Aunt Viv stuff, that was fire. I'm, I'm still heated about that Aunt Viv issue. That was a – that is a real – that's a real bad, big thing in the black community, I think, uh, the Aunt Viv, the Aunt Viv conspiracy. But uh, we won't get into that here. Moving right along to Saved by the Bell and some happier, easier reunion. What a cue up. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Jerick. Tell oh. us. Because okay. people have been kind of skeptical. They see it saved by the bell and it's reunion. And they're like, oh my God, this is going to be cheesy. A lot of people don't take the time to notice that like a lot of the creative talent behind this is like mm -hmm. behind things like 30 Rock. Um, and it is so, it's bringing a distinctly different flavor to this. How does it kind of all gel together? I'm obsessed with it. Um, uh, it is my favorite sitcom reboot so far, I think. Be uh, because it's, there's still that nostalgia um, you're getting a lot of uh, great callbacks and everything, but it's it's the way that it's updated is smart. It's funny. I genuinely was laughing the first episode. I cried, um, and uh, and it's it it's really making fun of the original without being mean spirited. And the best thing about it is that it starts off with um, uh, kids from this really underfunded school, mostly all kids of color, get sent to Bayside because their school shut down. And it's kind of a shock where this rich school, where full of privilege and they're all doing those stupid shenanigans that the original show did. And they're like, this is ridiculous. And um, in the whole first episode, um, the main girl, all she wants is to be class president and she has to make posters. And it's it's so hard for her to to get on the same level because she doesn't have a smartphone. She can't have the Bayside app to, to reserve wall space. And it's all about how um, these rich white kids just have a leg up in everything, even from like the smallest school functions that will in life boost them up um, and get them farther. Uh, and so it's really poignant in that way. And my favorite is um, the main like, hot head cheerleader who's all glamorous and sassy is played by a trans actress. And they don't even really talk about it that much. It's just uh, just the actress that plays her. Um, and, but as a, I love Saved by the Bell. I am a big Saved by the Bell fan. So just all the little throwbacks and seeing uh, Slater and Jesse are the only like main originals that are in it. Um, and just watching them interact is a delight. I love it. And I can't wait for more cameos. Um, we know Lark is going to show up. Um, Mark Paul and Tiffany are like briefly in the first episode. So I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's worth a Peacock subscription. <laughs> that, that pilot, I feel like if you watch the pilot, you um, like that pilot does such a good job of giving you a, a sense of like all the episodes hmm. and like the feel of the series that it's so good. 
It's, it's so, it's so good. There's a, there's a moment and you can definitely tell by the way that half these people wrote 30 rock mm -hmm. because there's a moment uh, where it's a conversation uh, that Slater's having and he's, uh, <laughs> they're having this conversation and I forget, is it Devante? I believe it's Devante mm -hmm. who's having this conversation with him. And he's like, uh, he's like, is it like, should I be too preachy? Like, is it a thing of like, well, it's not really a white savior complex because you're Mexican. And he goes, dude, no one talks about that. And like, there are so many like great moments like that throughout the episode. I agree with Jamie. I, de I genuinely laughed throughout the whole episode. There's just so many cool moments, you know. Wow. So I'm going to have to actually sit down and watch Saved by the Bell. It's good, man. For the first time in my life. Yeah. Well, I if, held if out you a don't long write campaign. the original or haven't watched the original, I, I imagine there'd be some disconnect. If you've well, never I, I know what it is. I, mm -hmm. I was always very aware of what it was and the storylines. I just, I couldn't get into it. I hated that show. I, like, I hated all those kinds of sitcoms That's in the fair. 80s and 90s. But I love 30 Rock, so, you know. It's, you get 30 Rock vibes through throughout right? that's what yeah. i need right now yeah if we can all be honest that's what i need so. <laughs> like there's a great part where like slater is like man you know i'm it's even in the trailer where you see him talking about like you know I, i'm like a, a single guy or whatever you know you want to kind of be like me and he's like dude i saw you eating soup in your car <laughs> like <laughs> on lunch break and he's like that was and he like says this other thing there's like little things that you can see literally like tina fey <laughs> tracy morgan like there's this those same back and forth and it's it's fun all right so never thought i'd be recommending saved by the bell on this show but here we are 2020 check that out it's on peacock uh, give it a watch because it's still free. All right. Moving right along from Saved by the Bell and the craziness of that to the craziness we are experiencing in X-Men, Ten of Swords. We are coming quickly to the end of this X-Men crossover event that is, I think, safe to say, unlike anything we probably expected to, it to be and pretty much unlike any other X-Men crossover event <laughs> I can think of to date. Um, yeah, so this week we got... What were the chapters? X-Force, then Hellions, and Cable, which were these kind of... Are, it's hard to remember these books. Just I remember the arcs of like what happened in yeah. each book. Um, X-Force, I say that, and now I just completely forget what happened in X-Force because I'm like kind of stuck on Hellions right now in my head. Uh, yeah, let's get to... I mean, look. Oh, X-Force had Storm versus Death in that whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so yes. Uh, X-Force saw the kind of continuing... Also magic. of Krakoa yeah, and versus Arako. And that book delved a lot into the kind of just had fun with these crazy tasks and contests that Saturnine. Saturnine. I don't know. I've heard Saturnine. No, I've got a, I've got a dedicated Twitter follower. Who oh, nice. And said, how hey, do you say it? It's Saturnine. Saturnine. Yeah. Saturnine. Okay, we'll roll with it. I'm rolling with it. Um, although I learned a funny story I learned to read on X-Men comics. It's how I kind of really, I had like slow development in reading. And when I told, taught myself to finally read it, it was through X-Men comics. And man, my best friend could tell you, he just would crack up. I have such a crazy mispronunciation of several X-Men names as I tried to figure out words. It's hilarious, but we're not. I said Richter and Apocalypse wrong for years before I met somebody and they corrected me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the name Rogue was Refugee because I had never seen the word Rogue before, so I just made up what it was. 
and I just thought based on her character, her name was Refugee, which is still a very insightful character name from where I'm where I'm standing. Because you're like Rogue's a refugee in her own body, get it? Like you know, because she has all these people. Like yeah, anyway. So moving right along. So in X Force, we got to see more of the contest between Krakoa and Arako and these absurd kind of contests. We had the fun scene where magic got to redeem herself against pog or pog i love even more now as a character that i found out that he's basically like men in blacking it yes that's what i thought too a little tiny dwarf in a big alligator suit that magic rips out of rips him out of and kind of like then beats him up which was i i think if nothing else is accomplished in ten of swords i i have come away liking magic a whole lot more than i think i ever have before is she Hickman's character. favorite character? Because she's in almost every book. <laughs> and, like, it, it, it comes through. Yeah, she just shines in every book. Like, yeah. she's, like, I think she's, like, to Hickman. She is, like, Hickman's Wolverine. You know what I mean? She just she's is, like, great. badass, and she just talks trash all day. Like, and, like, and just, yeah, it's awesome. So, not hating on magic whatsoever. But uh, the big event, of course, was Storm fighting death. And I loved that. I've loved all the Storm portions of this crossover. Like I loved her going into Wakanda to get that to get that uh, Wakandan sword, and I loved her. I mean, Storm like they teased Death Apocalypse's original Horseman as this total badass, takes off his helmet, his face just melts people, kills anyone, and the way Storm dispatches him like just brutally kills this dude. It was just like man, a row. And isn't she inebriated? Yeah, she's drunk while she does it, and, and no powers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and. Hickman, I mean, obviously gets, I mean, Hickman comes from that, I feel like is in love with that 80s Storm Mohawk, like when Storm was also in, in kind of grabbing her badass roots, because this was like just a clinic, a reminder that like Storm's been a thief, Storm's been a lot of stuff. And like, yeah, you know, she doesn't need powers or to be sober to like, you know, really, she is an omega level mutant right there. And uh, yeah, her killing death, I was, that was like my, one of my favorite scenes here. But what I really enjoyed about this book was the contests themselves and the different ones. This got really weird with it, and I kind of dug it. Like, I kind of dug Captain Britain in the Red Fort Root Force's foot race, where we briefly brought back in Hickman. What a troll. Like, briefly brings back those techno robot things from House of X. Like, and then for a minute, you're like, oh, my God, this is a snowman. Like, it's all coming. And then it's just Saturnine using them yeah, to, it's not. It's as an <laughs> obstacle in a foot race. Like, yeah, in a crooked market, which, if again, if there's a secondary thing that this crossover's done, it's made me love Otherworld, like, as an interesting setting. Maybe that, that might be the biggest yeah. development of this. I, I'm with you. I did not. Excalibur has been a disappointment almost since launch, yeah. since it came out. And this has made me love that world i hope they do something with it after this exactly same here but yeah and just like x-force just like i said i know jim was mad and there is a discussion to be had because i feel like there has been some bait and switch in the sense like these swords don't seem to matter i mean we went on this epic hunt for all these swords and they don't seem to matter um but the contest this book made the contest fun just seeing the panels of them doing things like going through a torture chamber pushing boulders up a hill having to swim against these huge aquatic life forms having to have basically play fear factor and have this gross out eating contest and a dance off like a fashion show with logan having to model like it's just hickman going absurd with some of this stuff and it, it is fun so that was x-force um hellions was the real interesting one for me uh, I think that was the highlight of the week for me, um, mostly because 
I like seeing an alternate version of Mr. Sinister, like Arako's Mr. Sinister <laughs> and his Marauders. Um, Tarn, I think his name is. Tarn. Yeah. yeah. Tarn, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And just that whole fight and just seeing a team of X-Men get brutally just slaughtered. Nanny! Was, yeah. Poor Nanny. <laughs> that book was just, it, it was intense in a good way. It, it reminded me of that issue of House of X we really liked when they go on the mission to the to the mother mold right, they yeah. all die on that mission but um yeah and that was just hellions is a fun book like i gotta give it up to that book like it's just a lot of fun and it's yeah. crazy too because this kind of feeds into that gym thing of like there's really no point for this whole excursion because like they finally find out like there's no there's really no reason for this two issue thing to have happened at all. They don't achieve their goal. They don't really get anything. Mr. Sinister is really the only person that benefits, but I enjoyed it. And I thought the stuff that comes from it was worth it. Like I, you know, it, it's weird. It's, it's, that's impressive how they've done that. Yeah. And I thought that it was like, I, yeah, like you said, it's just really funny, like, that they're on this pointless mission, and they did all this. And I also love that they kind of trolled us by pulling out, they've been teasing this huge betrayal in Tennisaurs, and it's, like, the most obvious person <laughs> in the world who would betray everybody, right? Like, Mr. Sinister. And now, but I do like the development that he's taken all these samples of Arako mutant DNA, and now he's walking around with this kind of ace up his sleeve. Because where that goes, Sinister's been kind of this weird, not to make a pun, X-Factor in this whole House of X kind of relaunch. And I'm kind of interested to see. Because we saw in Moira's timelines, he can do some pretty gnarly stuff yeah. if, if given certain kinds of free reign. So I would love to see some of those like hybrids, like Rasputin and all that mixed with Arako characters. Like That'd be kind of cool. Um, I don't know if we're going to go there. And also, finally, Havoc. Yeah, Havoc, man. He had to traverse Arako and Otherworld with missing hands and a missing eye. <laughs> Like Summer's brother that just can never win, you know, poor havoc. Um, finally we had cable and cable was where Gorgon, who has been Hickman's other secret card that he obviously loves, um, in that party scene with magic and Gordon, I think Gorgon is probably like the Rosetta stone of this whole thing of what this guy likes, but Gorgon had that Epic stand and just like the crazy, like Hickman has no like, respect for like tournaments sports anything <laughs> because we went through all these trials and then gorgon just slaughters the white swords army and arbitrarily brings them back up to a tie game and just randomly yeah. arbitrarily um to set the stage of course and i love that apocalypse and his wife are both like all right enough of this at the end where saturnize trying to do her whole hocus pocus with the card and they're like all right save like out of here with all that we know what's next like everybody knows what's next like, it's time for the big finale fight. We're going at it. And so, yeah, Exodus Horse is the weirdest crossover I think I've ever seen in an X-Men line, but I'm not hating it. Yeah, I'm really liking it. I, I'm, I'm really and it, it's, it. It, it is a bait and switch, but opposite of Empire, which it, it kind of marketed itself as this big event with all these hokey kind of gimmick MacGuffins with the swords. But it's really just been a character and world building kind of story. Yeah, they don't mean um, anything. Yeah. I mean, and, no one cares about source. Yeah, exactly. And next in the next era, because power it just feels like, yeah, power. Instead <laughs> 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 so of just setting that all up. But uh, check that out if you want to. Finally, uh, we can talk about 
let's maybe talk about Venom next week because I haven't oh. really gotten through that issue and dug in as deep as I want. And I want to talk about Venom Beyond because I've kind of enjoyed that. Plus, I want to save some time for you and Connor to tell us what is going on with WWE Survivor Series. Well, I'm glad you asked, Kofi, because we've got Survivor Series this coming Sunday. Matt, I, I got to go on a bit of a rant to start this off. And I want to preface this by saying that I want everyone to watch this show on Sunday for one very good reason. But I'm not going to talk about that reason just yet. First, I'm going to talk about what I don't like about this show and that it feels very, very phoned in. This is the fifth year now where we are doing this battle for brand supremacy where the guys from Raw and the guys from SmackDown fight. There is no real story to it beyond that. We didn't even get an invasion from one brand to the other this year, even though they all operate in the same building. But what really soured me on this year was this show was my favorite show of last year when it came to WWE pay-per-views because NXT was added into the equation. And that gave this air of, hey, these are matches you're never going to see otherwise. That was true. That was legitimate. Yeah. And when you looked at what might have been this year, Asuka versus Sasha versus Io Shirai, oh, that's a match (laughs) of the year candidates. That's main event worthy. There's so many. Like, if you go down that card, there's Randy so Orton versus anybody from NXT that he's been ripping on this Chompa. past year. I mean, that, that whole thing that's been teased for a year, like, we could have actually gotten that, yeah. Finn Balor is NXT champion trying to, you know, take on somebody that he was feuding with previously and just says, hey, this is where I'm at now. All would have been great ideas. Nope. And no real reason given for why they haven't been included this year. No. So... I'm not, saying fo- I'm not saying they phoned it in because the actual episodes of television haven't been that bad. No. Raw was actually pretty good this week. SmackDown's had some good episodes. But the show itself, nobody's talking about it. Except for one thing. And it is a match between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Matt, this year, this match was a throwaway WrestleMania middle of the card bout a year ago. Nobody talked about it. Nobody really cared. Bigger things were happening elsewhere. This year... It's the match I want to be the WrestleMania 37 main event, unless The Rock shows up, which we don't know if that's actually going to happen. But I am so thrilled that they looked at their card and said, nobody gives a crap about any of these matches, but what if we switch out Randy for Drew? Hey, that's a great idea. Do that. So they made that fix on Monday, gave Drew back the title three weeks after he lost it. And here's where we are now. So watch this show just for that. We'll get to the Undertaker stuff later, but for now, Matt, what do you think of Survivor Series? Um, I'm I'm actually very much along your lines. I, I am not impressed by the card, not because the individual performers are not talented and that we'll get some good matches in here. We'll most likely come back and say, like, oh, hey, that was, like, a way better match than I expected. Because, like, sure. Sasha Banks and Asuka, they're great. They're great in the ring. The only problem is we've seen that a lot. And there's well, no story like buildup. Yeah. yeah, and there's no story buildup as to why other than like, oh, well, one has a belt and one has a belt over here. So it's the lack of, you know, it's the lack of presentation that makes it not so great. But the individual things, I'm sure, will have stuff. My biggest thing, I, I love the Drew Roman thing. I think that's great. They made the right choice. Should have never gone to Randy in the first place. <laughs> Should have been Drew. I'm excited for this. But that's not my most anticipated match. My most anticipated match is actually the 10 women's, like, team versus team match. Okay. Only because uh, it's going to be, I feel like, one, it's going to be a showcase for Bianca 
who is on team SmackDown. And two, I do feel like while we are not, and, and I will give Connor full credit because he actually threw this idea into my head. Uh, <laughs> and like ever since uh, last night's NXT was like one of the best NXTs in like a while. Like it was great. Even like compared to like, how even, even the it. blindfold match was good. Uh, Eric, like there was so good from top to bottom. And one of the best matches of the night was the Shirai versus Rhea Ripley, which was seriously like a takeover match. It was incredible. And a lot of people expected Rhea to take that because it kind of seemed like that time because otherwise, what is she going to do? She's gone through all the different people on the brand. So what if she makes her SmackDown has been very slow to put their team together. Like we still don't like it's, it's still in flux and things like, like that. So what if is the like mystery last member and comes out that makes it, a big deal for a lot of reasons and that could just make a really good match anyway but i am excited for that so that is why that match is the most anticipated for me now if Rhea doesn't show up i think it'll still be a good match it'll still be a highlight for bianca but that's the thing that has me like really excited because there's a very good chance they could pull that trigger and i'll say this in regards to those two 10-man tag matches that that's been the staple of survivor series since day one mm-hmm. my issue is Instead of brand supremacy, whatever that means, why not give these matches stakes? Oh, yeah. Why not say, how about, hey, how about this? The winning team, y'all get a title shot of your choosing sometime in the next month. That instantly incentivizes everybody in that match and the fans care who wins. Mm -hmm. Something like that beyond just, hey, you wear the the red t-shirt and you wear the blue t-shirt and I don't like you. And even, and you're right, even in previous years, at least we got like an invasion thing where at least it was kind of like, okay, they're trying to put up the brand thing. And here we didn't have any of that. There's no iconic Becky moment, like the blood running down. There's no, there's no Kurt Angle shouting, it's happening. Right. Yeah. There's none of that. So yeah, it feels very underwhelming. Um, And I agree, right. The NBA all-star game for years was like, put some stakes on it because otherwise they're not going to (laughs) play. They're all going to try and take care of themselves and not hurt themselves. So here, yes, it it needs some stakes. I agree. And then on top of all of this, we have the final farewell of the undertaker. This will be his, this will mark his 30 years in the WWE. We haven't seen him since WrestleMania. He has since announced he is retiring based on every interview I've read in the past two weeks. He is sticking to that statement for now. So, Matt, I will ask you, what do you expect from this segment? And is The Undertaker really retired? I <laughs> I will – oh, that's so hard. They are leaning so hard into this. I feel like this – if there's any shot of it sticking, other than him being, like, hurt to a point where he can't compete, like an edge situation. But even then, right, it's like, oh, these people Then he came back. nine years right. later. Yeah. yeah, they come back. But, like, um, aside from, like, an injury that makes him – unable to go into the ring this is the best shot of sticking so i will say yes a <laughs> very uneasy yes because as you know undertaker has said in the past right it's been a very much like if vince needs me i'll i'll, I'll be there and the heartbeat i'll hop a plane i don't know there's gotta be no reason i just gotta show up and like he'll do that and that's what worries me but as far as i mean We've had a month of WWE programming <laughs> doing this farewell thing. We're having a, a whole event. 
if it's going to happen, it's going to be this one. I, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think it'll be a, a nice and it'll be an emotional. He is such a, a vet of WWE. They clearly love him. There's a genuine appreciation there. I think it will be an emotional send off for him and it'll be a cool thing. But yeah, I, so I say yes, tentatively. Say yes. I, I will agree with you that it will be emotional with the names that we've heard that are going to be at least backstage. Uh, some of his oldest friends in the business will be there. I think that's awesome. As far as if the retirement is real, yes, for now. And it comes with some asterisks. Wait until there are fans back in the crowd. And if he comes back for one more, then that's kind of a mulligan because he didn't really get the last match yeah. in front of people. This last one was like on a film set, essentially. And the other asterisk is the Saudi Arabia events. He's been in a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Do like, give me a full. I pretend like, those don't exist. <laughs> let me get through a full year. And if he's not at either of those, then we talk. Okay. Then I'm That's like, fair. okay, no, you actually are sticking to this. That's fair. Yeah. Because I also think, honestly, Michelle just doesn't want him to do it anymore too. I feel no. like there's a part of that, right? Like no. that documentary really shed some light on like, that's hard for Absolutely. her to watch him constantly go through that. So. Oh, I and I, I sympathize with her. That's, that's yeah. a, that's a really tough situation. And the whole documentary was just him struggling with that very notion of, can I retire? Like my, you know, mentally, I still have this perfect connection to the crowd, but my body just physically won't let me go. I get why there's that struggle there. Mm-hmm. I hope he sticks to it. Don't become the Terry Funk of this generation. We don't want to see that. We don't need you to retire 10 times and come back every time because it lessens. The the effect Mm -hmm. keeps wearing off. I hope they stick to it this time. Agree. Those are the two things I will tell you to absolutely watch this Sunday. Other than that, there's not much to talk about with this show. So good luck. (laughs) Is that it? Yeah, that's that's it. it. That's a send-off. Good luck. Good luck. Fingers crossed. for 2020. All right. Oh, man. That'll do it for wrestling. Do we have anything in our rundown today? Yeah, I threw a couple things in there. Oh, yeah. We already mentioned it, but HBO Max is working out a deal with Roku. Yay, Janelle. Yay. Janelle can finally watch HBO Max. Um, Yeah, so uh, I'll touch on gaming real quick just because there are a couple of uh, things related to WWE. So if you want to check out uh, on comicbook.com. We actually had a, a really cool interview with uh, the guys who make WWE Supercard, which season seven just came out. It's one of the few mobile apps that stays on my phone because like the thing is really addictive. So if you're looking for, a bunch, there's a bunch of new cards, a bunch of new modes, including War Games, which just got announced for NXT. Uh, Wait, doing Matt, a mode based did, on did, that. did you just say War Games? War Games! War yes. Games! Thank you, William Regal. War Games! Yes! Uh, so yeah, so if you want to check that out, you can check out that interview on uh comicbook.com, almost said WWE.com. In other big news, uh, today they announced the big date for Kate Bishop's uh, debut in Marvel's Avengers. We got a bunch of new footage uh, that'll be coming out on December 8th. But the biggest thing actually was the thing they teased at the end, which is that the next Hawkeye pack, where's Jim when we're talking about Hawkeye? Uh, The next Hawkeye pack is actually going to be a take on Future Imperfect and is going to include the Maestro as the big villain. And he actually looked really cool. And there was even like a small Black Panther tease, uh, which that character is also coming to. They just had to delay that reveal 
uh, for obvious reasons earlier this year. So uh, there is a lot of cool stuff. That stuff's going to come in early 2021. So check out for all the coverage on there. We also got a few photos from the Resident Evil reboot, the live action one. And uh, it's cool to see the actually like RPD symbols and logos on things. There was a hint of the mansion. So it seems like the stuff they said about staying close to the roots of the original games is true so far. So fingers crossed there. And then final thing uh, is the new James Bond game was announced and it's coming from the Hitman developers, IO Interactive. So if you've played a Hitman game and strangled somebody <laughs> in that game or poisoned their soup and things like that, it's going to be kind of interesting to see like how that applies to James Bond. But, uh, but I'm curious. I'm curious there. Um, also in movies real quick, because I was, oh, actually real quick on TV, because Jamie's here and I want to get her opinion on this. Uh, what do we think about the little Yachty Saved by the Bell remix? You know, I was here for it. I, I, okay. I, I, I didn't hate it. Um, I'm not going to be listening to it every day. But, uh, <laughs> but I didn't mind. Right. Okay. I'm conflicted because I don't, I don't, I don't hate it, and that almost bothers me, that I don't, like, hate it or love it. Like, it's this weird thing. It's kind of catchy, but it's like, why are you singing it like that? It's weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. But I don't agree with that. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, so uh, moving into uh, movies, of course, this is uh, almost the holiday season, and Princess Switch, Switched Again, is on Netflix. So you can check out my full review on that. Get into the holiday season, folks. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. <laughs> We want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always, except for that last part. No, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com, where you can listen to the show, where you can listen to your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. You can tell your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation Podcast. Or you can watch episodes live on Facebook Wednesday and Friday or on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. If you want to holler at us, you can find us at the Comic Book Nation hashtag. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at... Matt Aguilar, CB. At Connor Casey underscore CB. At Jamie Cinematics. That'll do it for the show. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. When we get back into our merch closet after COVID, we're going to send out some uh, T-shirts to all our five-star reviewers. So make sure you're one of them. Otherwise, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time at Comic Book Nation. Peace. Peace. Later. 